You're listening to Connect Communities Podcast, recorded live in Stamford, Connecticut. If you'd like to know more about our community, stop by our website at www.connectcommunity.tv. Enjoy the message. I'm going to share a message with you, and it's not part of a series. It's a one-off, and I've titled it Unique. Unique. My wife looked at the at the art there with all the different fonts. And she said, man, that's so unique. I think you should call it unique. <laughs> it's more than unique. It's unique. So unique. <laughs> we all have a drive to stand out. We all have a desire to be unique, a draw toward being different. If we look down the, the history timeline... Generations ago, we had writers and poets, and, and, and a little later, we had uh, artists and inventors, and, and then came the Industrial Revolution and ushered in an era of entrepreneurship and business. And with that came the internet and YouTube and MySpace and Zynga. Nobody here remembers Zynga, right? And... Uh, more recently, Facebook, and then came the iPhone, and then came the apps, and all the apps, right? And with the apps came an immense opportunity for people to showcase their talents. With the internet and the accessibility, I believe there has never been a generation that has had as much access to exposure. So getting yourself out there, showing off your amazing talent. And some of the videos that we see and we share are really great. People who are immensely talented. There is a mainstream artist now who is gaining some fame. Her name is Tori Kelly. You know Tori Kelly? She became first uh, famous on Vine. She was Vine famous. Vine doesn't even exist anymore. <laughs> but it was an app on a phone. that People got to share their six seconds of glory. And uh, people begin to share, and, and there is, there, there is this, this line and, and this ability, this line of, 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 of uh, networks and, and, and this ability that we have to just showcase our talent. Some of them are really good, but there's, some of them are not so good. Let's just be honest, right? You, you watch some of the stuff, and you go like, A for effort, buddy. But uh, I don't know if that was the best choice right there. One of the things that we like to do as a family sometimes is just to watch fail videos. Yeah, I know. It's, I think it's the modern uh, American funniest home videos, you know. It, you, just, you just go on YouTube and uh, you find a good channel, nothing horrible, nothing inappropriate. Uh, and and we, we, my, my daughters uh, love it. I have a seven-year-old that says, can we watch fail videos? There's something about us that is fascinated with being unique and we want our lives to matter we want our lives to be one of a kind we, we, we have a motivation so that our lives can can have an impact on somebody else and sometimes that motivation is exacerbated by culture by, by, by what, what's on the outside but a deeper look into it if you if you look into it, you, you realize that the drive that exists around us for us to showcase our talent or show what we have 
is really a, a driven by what's already on the inside. It's, it's these companies or these platforms, they, they, they are capitalizing on people's desire to showcase who they are and what they have. I know as a parent, I see in our daughters. We have three daughters, uh, and they, they are, by the way they look, they could have been triplets, really. We look at some pictures. We have a seven-year-old and two four-year-olds. Two of them did come in one package. It was a, it was a glorious time. Um, but we look at some pictures comparing Maya and Peyton and Chloe, and they could have been triplets because they just look alike. Now, three people raised by the same parents, eating the same food, drinking the same water, receiving the same kind of love, the same kind of affirmation, the same kind of acceptance, still have a drive that early in life to say, hey, daddy, look at me. Look at what I can do. Hey, daddy, can I have that different thing? Can I have that different uh, uh, dress? My daughters are really into dresses. They, they, they change clothes four times a day on a good day. I'm not joking. We watch videos sometimes, and her, their one remark is, can I have that dress? Can you buy me that dress? They want to stand out. And we have that on the inside. Uh, I remember myself in my, my late teens, um, I had this thing where I didn't like to share the kind of cologne I was, I was wearing. So I would come into church. It's a church kid, you know. Would walk into church, and I remember friends coming to me and saying, Hey, you smell good, man. What's that? Where'd you get that? And I remember telling them, Hey, you go, go get your own smell, man. <laughs> this is my smell. It's my trademark. You know, myself and anybody else who was willing to pay $24.99 for this three and a half ounce of glory. All right? It's, it's, it's my thing. Uh, I think it's a family thing because my brother, I remember my brother. Also a church kid. We grew up in church. My dad is a pastor. And he walked into church one day. He must have been 19, 20. Walked into church one day with a burgundy button-down shirt. You know, looking good. And, and, and tucked in in a, a light blue jeans. Very Seinfeld looking. You know what I'm saying? And he walks in proud. And he takes three steps in. Looks at his friend. And his friend is wearing the exact same shirt. He looks at him, shakes his head, turns around and goes home. <laughs> Didn't come back for church that day because he wanted to be unique. <laughs> it's a similar thing happened to me not, uh, about 10 years ago. I went to this uh, popular clothing store. They were really big 10 years ago. And they, they used to do ni make nice uh, uh, um, button-down shirts with different patterns and stylish uh, and I noticed that day that they had like a wall of shirts, lots of shirts, but about four different kinds of patterns. And I thought, I'm going to run into somebody if I buy this shirt. Because everybody's buying from this store and they don't have variety. They have quantity of a few things. But I really like the shirt and I bought it. And about two weeks later, I walk in the, uh, in the church and we're, we're running this event um, it's a special event, like a party. And I'm there, and not 10 minutes after I walk in, this other guy comes in with the exact same shirt and similar blue jeans. And I'm like, it could have been casted for one of those Who Wore It Better articles, you know? 
which by the way, he would have lost. Because come on, right? Guy didn't stand a chance. <laughs> oh Lord, we like to stand out. We want to be one of a kind. There's this drive in us. But being different, standing out, being unique begs a question. At what cost? How far are you willing to go? What kind of values are framing this drive that we have? And sometimes even pressure to stand out. What kind of guiding principles are guarding our minds, are guarding our hearts from deceit, from peril? What kind of principles do we stand when we feel this drive to stand out? Scriptures have a lot to say about that. And uh, the first passage I want to read to you is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 7. And Paul is writing to a young church in Corinthians, uh, in, in, in Corinth. Uh, they lived in, in a very secular environment, uh, a godless environment, a pagan environment. And this church is just growing fast. And this is what he writes. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To teach, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Now Paul is talking about gifts here. If you read a little earlier, you will notice that he's talking about spiritual gifts. And sometimes we read scriptures like that and uh, we forget that when Paul was writing to the church... Church meant something a little bit different than what it means to you and I. For most of us, church is what we do right now on Sunday mornings, maybe an event or a function. But in the early days, in the first century, church was your way of life. Unfortunately, not a lot of us live that way anymore because we have our, our, our obligations and we all, we all live our lives. But uh, for, for them, they were together every single day. It was a way of life. Sure, they had worship services. Sure, they, they had moments where they shared the scriptures and, and something very similar to what we do here. But for most, the most part, they, they lived in, in common, in, in places, in communities where they share things. They share their lives. They share their goods. Church was not a building that they would go on Sunday morning or Saturday. But it was a way of life where they cared for each other. So they were in constant contact with each other. And the spiritual gifts were not reserved for a certain moment in the week. The spiritual gifts were not reserved for a certain environment. They were constantly activating it, constantly using it. Which, by the way, you know, if we're going into this subject of, of spiritual gifts, let me just say this for, for a little bit here before I go back on the unique topic. Um, you know, your spiritual gifts, every single one of you here, you have spiritual gifts. And those are gifts... Uh, that, that they spring up and they are, uh, uh, they are nurtured through your walk with God, through your relationship with God, through prayer, through reading of the scripture, through community, as you connect with other people. And your spiritual gifts should really be the thing, the undercurrent that carries your life. It should really be that undercurrent that sustains you and moves you uh, across your days. It shouldn't be that you are driven by the career, driven by the bills, driven by the studies, driven by everything in your to-do list. And then try to fit 
a, 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 a spiritual power time on the weekends or, or 15 minutes in the morning. And then you put that spiritual time on the corner and you go about your day. There should be a relationship with God where you say, you know what, this is what informs me. It is my relationship with God that informs me. It is my relationship with God that guides my decisions, that guides my work ethic, that guides how I treat other people, that guides how I, I behave at work, how I behave with a, with a co-worker. And because I am nurturing the spiritual gifts in me, because I am nurturing my relationship with God, I see with my spiritual eyes all the time. I hear with my spiritual ears all the time. I speak from my spirit all the time. And you don't have to be weird about it, right? You can just go about your life sensing what God is telling you, what he is guiding you, where he's guiding you, the, the inspiration that he's giving you. But you don't have to like, you know, in a meeting at the office, John, what do you think about this proposal? Well, I sense in my spirit. That we should not go there. No, you don't have to do that, right? You can be yourself, but knowing how to listen to the voice of God within. Activating your spiritual gifts everywhere. So because of this reality of the church of Corinth, what Paul is speaking applies to you and I. In other words, he's saying, listen, there's a variety of gifts among you. You, all, you are all gifted. Not only that, you are gifted in a different way. He over here has amazing gifts. She over here has that other gift. That guy over there, he has that different kind of gift. He can do that other thing. But guess what? It all comes from the same spirit. It all comes from the same source. Even though you are all different, you are unique by design. God made you unique by design. He gave you the gifts for a purpose. Not to separate you, not to divide you, not so that you can find a way to stand out in a competitive way, putting somebody else down or, or through rivalry, but so that you can stand out for the common good, to help one another. That is the greater purpose. In other words, even though the manifestation of your gift is unique, even though the display of your gift is unique, even though the gift itself is unique, the essence, the spirit, the heart is the same because it comes from the same God and it should be the same among you. In other words, there is a connection between what is unique about each one of you and what is common among us all. And that is true for you and I here this morning. One should serve the other. There is a hierarchy of things. And if we are honest, the world we live in doesn't do that very well. We don't live in a world that does this very well. Another scripture, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 7, and then we're going to skip to 11 through 13, just to give you more context on this idea. Paul writing to another church now, another group of people in a different part of the world, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Every single one of you have, have a calling. But you should walk with all humility and gentleness and patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. 
And the one, there is one body and one spirit, just as, you were, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Verse 11. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain the unity to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood. And this is not a gender exclusive word. It means all of us mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Again, he's listing gifts and talents here that are, we look at it and we can, can apply them and see them as exclusive to the church. And for most part, they are, you know, uh, teachers, evangelists, prophets, apostles, shepherds. That's considered the fivefold ministry of the church. A little bit of theology for you. That's the, the, the five active ministries that builds up the church. But it, because of context, it makes sense that he would list simply those gifts. But in talking with this idea, in talking about this idea of uniqueness in each one of us, we could take this principle and apply to every single one of our gifts here this morning. You know, if you were to put that list a list about what's unique about you. A list about your talents. The things that only you can do. Your abilities. Your intricacies. You know. You will learn throughout the scripture that even though there's something unique about you. There's something about you that no one can quite match. It's meant to serve a greater purpose. It's meant to serve something else. Your uniqueness is designed to promote something even more valuable. As valuable as your uniqueness is, it's designed to promote something more valuable. Again, Paul is saying, you may be a prophet over here. That person may be a teacher over there. That guy could be an evangelist and he's bringing a ton of people to the church. And then he's got this, this woman over here. She's an apostle. A leader of leaders. Someone who is carrying the ministry. Let's bring a mainstream. You may be a great salesman. You may be a wonderful teacher. You may be an awesome CEO, a great manager. You could be a great leader of your division. But there is a greater thing than that. There's something even greater than your uniqueness. Remember, even though you are different from one another, even though you carry unique gifts, and you are trying to stand out and you want to stand out, you have those things that no one can quite match. There's something greater to keep in mind. You're not just different for the sake of being different. There's one body and one spirit, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. And the gift God gave you, was you what's unique about you is for building the body of Christ. It's for building people. It's for helping others. It's for building people. Until we all attain the unity of faith... And the knowledge of the Son of God is to help one another, to help us mature. What, God, what, what you are made for, in a simple way, what you are made for is greater, or, or is greater than what you are made of. Yeah, what you are made for is greater than what you are made of. And this is an important, important principle that we have, we have to keep 
and heart. Because I know that you have in your life, you have pressures. You deal, we all deal with pressures to stand out. Maybe at your job, you know, there's a constant pressure for you to stand out amongst your team. Maybe at work or in school, maybe in your, in your circle of friends, there is a pressure to stand out, to show your talent, to showcase who you are. Maybe you're going on in an interview this week and you're thinking, how am I going to stand out? How am I going to stand out from the other candidates? And if we don't pay attention to this principle, if we're not careful, we can get caught up in, 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 in competition, in rivalry. See, the child that is told to stand out will most certainly try to be better than other people, than other kids. The high school student that's told to stand out will, will receive that pressure, will carry that burden, an undue burden, and will most likely make decisions that are poor, decisions that are not good. The college young adult who's pressured to stand out will do things that they'll regret later. Some of you are whispering amen under your breath. And that's true for every phase of life. Every stage of life. You know, mothers have, feel the pressure all the time to stand up. To, to be unique. To, to do their own thing. Young professionals, grandparents, business owners. Standing out, being different, being unique can take you down a path of rivalry. Taking down a path of criticism, contention, judgment, competition. Down a path of isolation. Where you, you can even be insecure about your decisions and where you stand. So I have two things that I want to share with you today. Very practical that can help you with that. Because we are meant to stand out. Right? But there's a right way to do it. And so I have two answers for the all-important question that I'm sure you have asked yourself. How do I stand out without freaking out? Maybe you haven't phrased it like that. But how do I stand out without freaking out? I might be going to that interview this week. Or, you know, there's a deadline at the office and we're all told, hey, come up with the best answer. How do I stand out without freaking out? Without, you know... Get going down that path. Maybe you're here and you feel that pressure. Maybe you're feeling that pressure right now at home, in your relationships, in the office. Or maybe you're in a season of life where you just want people to care. You just want people to pick up the phone and say, hey, I was thinking about you. You just want people to put down whatever they're doing and say, hey, I notice you. I see you. I'm grateful for you. And that's some, another way of standing out as well. So I'm about to share something with you, and I believe this can help you. I believe this can, can change your mind. I believe if you don't remember anything else about this message, if you don't remember the passages, the example of Paul, I need you to remember this, okay? So put it on a post-it, glue it to your steering wheel, write on your fridge, uh, put a Sharpie on your arm so you can see it every morning. <laughs> write it down. Because this, if you, if, you, if you guard this in your heart, it'll help you. Okay? Here it is. Instead of focusing on being different, focus on making a difference. This will help you. This is half the battle right here. 
in your mind, in what you're going through, focus on making a difference, not simply being different. Think about Jesus. Jesus stood out from the, from the pages of history. He stands out from the pages of history, not because he was different, not because he was doing different things, not because he, was, uh, he had abilities that were unique. Jesus stands out because he makes a difference. Because he made a difference in people's lives. It wasn't because he could heal. It wasn't because he could multiply bread. It wasn't because he could walk on water. Jesus stands out because he healed people who were sick and needed healing. He made a difference in people's lives. He stands out because he fed people that were hungry. People didn't have things to eat, so he fed them. He walked on water, and that stood out because he calmed the storm. Because he helped Peter see beyond his fears. Jesus had a mission. He wasn't trying to impress people. He wasn't trying to show people, hey, look at what I can do. I'm really standing out from the other pagan gods, aren't I? You should follow me. No, he was making a difference in people's lives. That's why we gather on Sundays. Because Jesus has made a difference in our lives. We're not here this morning simply because he is different. We're not here this morning singing songs about Jesus simply because, oh, there was this guy that lived years ago and people say that he rose again and he's still alive somewhere in the space continuum and he's really different. He never died. He died, but he rose again. Whoa. No. Jesus stands out because he makes a difference in our lives every single day. So if you want to stand out, that's the first thing you got to focus on. Not in just being different, but in making a difference in somebody else's life. Jesus had a mission. A mission statement for, a lot, for his life. He came to seek and to save the lost. And he said that again and again. The Son of Man came to seek and save that, the one who was lost. Luke 19.10. His drive, his motivation was not to show off his capacities, his abilities. He looked for a felt need. He looked for something that needed him, that needed his, his abilities. And he used it to change people's lives. In your life, this principle can be applied for business for your personal life, for a cause that you might be involved in. If you focus on making a difference, you don't have to worry about standing out. You will stand out. We as a church, we want our mission to stand out. So we look for opportunities to make a difference. We want to be a church that makes a difference more and more. So wake up determined each morning. Determined that you're going to make a difference in somebody else's life for the better. Every single day, make that decision. I will make a difference in somebody else's life. If you work in an office, make someone else's day better. Every single day. It might be a word. It might be something you do for them. It might be encouragement. Make their life better. If you work in retail, look at your customers in the eye. Smile. Don't just yell, next. <laughs> Nobody wants to be next. Maybe you're, you have to say next. But then say hi, smile, give them an extra love, make their day special. Do the same for your coworkers. Wherever you go each day, look for opportunities to make a difference. If you make a difference with your words and with your deeds, 
you will stand out. No doubt about it. Here's the second thing I want to I encourage you to do this morning, which is the other half of the battle. Use your uniqueness. Use your gifts. Use your talents. Use what's unique about you to unite, not divide. Use your uniqueness to unite. In a world where we're growing deeper and deeper into factions, into tribes. The tribalism is everywhere now. You know, it, it really worries me in my heart. I believe that, that, that God called us to share this message that we are, you know what? We are one people, one hope, one baptism, one God, one heart. You know, there's a common good for all of us. We may have been uniquely made. You may have been uniquely made. But there is a common good that your uniqueness is meant to serve and meant to promote. Your, our com, our uniqueness, uniqueness is meant to promote unity. Imagine if Jesus used his uniqueness to pay back his accusers in kind. Imagine if he used his power to pay back those who accused him, who came to arrest him. In kind, he didn't. And in one of the, moment, the, the moments uh, crucial, the most crucial moments in his life on ministry and ministry on earth, Jesus showed you and I how we should use our uniqueness to unite. Luke 22, verses 47 through 51. While he was still speaking, there came a crowd, and the man called Judas, one of the twelve, was leading them. He drew near to Jesus and kissed him. But Jesus said to him, Judas, would you betray the Son of Man with a kiss? And when, he, when, when those who were around him sought what would follow, they said, Lord, shall we strike with the sword? They were ready for battle. And one of them struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. But Jesus said, what? No more of this. No more of this. And he touched his ear and healed him. What would you do? What would you do if a traitor came with a mob false with false accusations and were trying to arrest you? And you had people willing to fight for you? What would you do? What would you do if people wrongly accused you and betrayed you with a kiss? See, our world is, is turning into a bunch of people, and I say this carefully, but a bunch of people with thin skins and hardened hearts. It's very easy to set people off into disagreements and fights and different opinions, and we see it all the time. We should be the kind of people that say, no more of this. No more of this. Let's heal. Let's use our uniqueness to unite. Let's use our uniqueness to bring people together. You know what we need? We need thick skins and soft, and soft hearts. That's what we need. Thick skins. We can take somebody who's been doing life with us for three years. Come, betray us with a kiss. And at the same time, we can heal our enemy. The person who came to, to arrest us. We need Jesus in our world. 
We need that kind of love. We need that kind of determination to use our uniqueness to unite. If you do that, you will stand out. If you, if you, if you focus on compassion, focus on unity. You know, and maybe you're here this morning and you've been through some real things. You know, maybe you're the one who's been oppressed and abused and you're the one who's been rejected and wrongly treated and it wasn't fair and it was wrong and you are right. It wasn't fair. It was wrong. It wasn't just. It is simply not right. But you, you can be a force for unity. You can be a force for healing. You can use your uniqueness to mend hearts, to forgive, and to bring healing in our world. Can you be someone who will make a difference this morning? Can you decide in your heart today that you will be somebody who will make a difference? Not simply be different, but make a difference. Can you commit today? Commit to use your uniqueness to unite, not to divide. To use your, your abilities to write and speak and say things that will unite people, that will bring people together. If you do that, even though we might be walking with the same purpose, in the same purpose, even though we're all empowered by the same spirit, by the same heart, by the same faith, you will most likely stand out and your uniqueness will shine. Do you receive it this morning? Amen. Amen.